You are now listening to The Open Canvas. Hey, it's Taj Alexander. Thank you to everyone who's been listening to the podcast. Really appreciate all the support, all the love. Just want to let you know, The Open Canvas has just launched its first clothing collection. You can find it on theopencanvas.com. Let's get into the episode. Open Canvas, this is Taj Alexander. I'm here with a very special guest. We actually uh, were connected through a mutual friend, Brian. Brian Jimenez, you remember that? Yeah, he's amazing. Shout <laughs> yeah. out to Brian. <laughs> yeah, so so Brian actually connected us and um, you know just had nothing but good things to say about you. And mm-hmm. I looked into your work and and not just only like you know the colors and and the fabrics, but the story you were telling. You know, and I think that's sort of what sets you apart in terms of what you do um, is the story that you're able to tell through your garments. Um, and also just to see your, your recent New York Fashion Week show, um, just to see how amazing that was and how you really created a, a world, you know, for, for people to, to live in and experience and commune in. You know, I just have nothing but like just, you know, excitement and respect for what's going to come. You know, I feel like you're just only touching the surface of what you're going to do. Um, and, and just as a, as a black woman who's doing it in a way that's, you know, just full of your own voice and your vision and truth. Um, I think it's going to be very special. And, and I mean that, you know, so without any further ado, please introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Nia Thomas. I am a explorer, collector and creative director of Nia Thomas, New York. You need your own podcast because you got a, you got a podcast voice. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, well, thank you for being on the open canvas. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for your compliments. Absolutely. I, you know, I feel like I'm getting ahead of myself in terms of what I'm talking about. But, you know, I really mean that just to, to see, you know, your work and to see that you're, you're, you're more about like similar to what Brian, you know, I see him as as well. Just mm-hmm. like you guys are both very much about the process and and the product not necessarily the hype and just like following every new trend it's like you 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 know what your voice is and you're just telling that story um and i really respect that so yeah so uh yeah where are you from i am originally born and raised in long island okay um suffolk county shout out to deer park (laughs) (laughs) um but i now live in brooklyn okay cool cool and where in Brooklyn exactly? I live in like the East Williamsburg, Bushwick border um, off the L train. So glad it's not shutting down I know, right? so I can continue to work and live. Yeah. So, I mean, this is sort of like a PSA for like our friends in Brooklyn, too. But like, can can you like break down how the train is going to be working? Is it like. OK, so according to the New York Times article, they Cuomo found some revolutionary technology that they're doing in Europe that they're going to do in New York now. This is the first place they've ever done it in America where they're going to be fixing the trains while they're still running. So there's going to be delays at night and on weekends and trains are probably going to come every 20 minutes. Okay. But um, he figured a quarter of a million people aren't going to have a way to get around if they completely shut down the train. Right. Um, And it will be starting in April 2019 and it's going to take 15 to 18 months. Okay. Um, but I love my neighborhood. I love the vibe. I don't want to leave here at all. Yeah, yeah, no, for um, sure. Yeah, it feels sure. like home. So. Yeah, so Long Island. Mm-hmm. Like, what was that like for you going up there? Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually, uh, shout, out, shout out to Michelle. Michelle, she was on an episode recently. Mm-hmm. Um, she is also from Long Island as well. Okay. So I've, I've heard, you know, different stories about it. Yeah. Like, what was it like for you? Um, I felt like it was creatively isolating. Ooh. Um 
I feel like in high school, a lot of people thought I was really strange because I would rather like stay home and draw and sew than like go out to parties. Right, right. But I just knew exactly what I wanted from mm-hmm. a really young age. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it was really quiet. Um, it does have beautiful landscapes. Like I love the beach and going hiking, but I'm definitely a city person. Yeah. And when I started taking classes in the city when I was like 15, I realized like I am never going to live in Long Island. Like once mm-hmm. I like move out and go to college, I knew I wanted to go to school in the city. Definitely. And that's definitely. what I did. Okay. Yeah. Right. And where'd you go to school? I went to the Fashion Institute of Technology. Okay. Got my BFA in fashion design there. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, what was that like for you? <sighs> um... Mixed feelings about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, because obviously in the first few years you're learning a lot of your fundamentals and construction, which is really important. Yeah. Um, But then later on, when you're doing thesis collection, um, which is really where I found my voice, Mm. it took me a really long time because I kept trying to fit into the mold of what I thought I should be Mm. by my what my professors said and what I saw my peers doing, but. It never really worked out, and I'm glad it didn't because it wasn't me. Yeah, um, yeah. But when Thesis came out, I had a really clear vision, and people, some people got it, some people were really confused by it. Mm. Um, but it just felt like the most honest thing to me, and I'm a firm believer of living in your truth. Mm. Um, and the school didn't like it. It didn't go on the fashion mm. show or anything. Um but so many stylists and people in the actual industry now like reached out to me mm-hmm. and people that I had admired for years like coming to congratulate me. So yeah. that definitely like had some reaffirming action within me that said, wow. okay, I think I'm doing the right thing. Like I'm just gonna continue to do this and to meet new people who are interested in sustainability and POC artists and other people who have outlooks on how the world should be shaped within fashion because it's so oversaturated right now with hype beasts and like instagram creative directors you know that's my pet peeve going on instagram and it says creative director in the bio and there's no clothes on the page i'm like oh (laughs) creative director of what dude (laughs) yo no but the the truth is like i I definitely hear what you're saying in regards to like even like being in school and sort of like having to sort of fight for your vision, mm-hmm. you know, fight to like have your voice be heard. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's kind of ironic too. Like mm-hmm. I know how that hesitance in terms of like your experience in like art school or fashion school yeah. because like sometimes we have to fight to do what we're actually meant to do, which yeah. seems kind of counter, you know, it's like, exactly. should they be helping us to mm-hmm. create our vision and our voice? But yeah. Um, yeah, for you, like what was that like just like standing your ground in that way? Um, I remember specifically my junior year, um, we had a big project for the CFDA. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, all the projects um, were going to be selected and eventually like 10 finalists would be sent to the CFDA and there'd be one winner or something like that. Yeah. And I chose to do my project about Black Lives Matter and I was very little about it. I knitted nooses into sweaters, um, into swatches and was very interpretational about it. Um, and a lot of my professors were really disturbed and were like, we could never show this to the Council of Fashion Designers of America. And I'm like, well, this is what's happening in America. So mm, mm. Um, another thing, just living in your truth. Um, yeah. Basically, the project didn't get selected. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But a really magical thing happened. I used that project to go to an internship interview for the summer um, with Rekha Wamandi. I don't know if you're familiar with her work. Absolutely. She's amazing. <laughs> Seriously amazing. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to her, like, in her Shout story. Out to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, um, yeah. And I showed her the project, and she 
very creatively and honestly um constructively tore it apart mm. um and mm. told me all the things that were could have been better and also just being real like two black women talking to each other she's like you can't go do a job interview with this as a black woman like you're already like two steps down like you mm. gotta you know and she's talking to me about her five pillars and everything and obviously like I left mm. and I was like damn like mm. <laughs> your confidence is shot a little bit but I always like think about now like from that experience like how can I do better how can I be better how can I put the best work I can out there possible wow yeah yeah, yeah no really like mm-hmm. even that experience like mm-hmm. I feel like you know you really have to thank people like that in your life yeah you know because definitely. for all of us like to have someone who can sort of just provide like constructive criticism mm-hmm. but also like you know give you something that you can sort of like say I can be better yeah. you know I can mm-hmm. do better mm-hmm. you know sometimes just hearing you know you're only good you know isn't enough Mm -hmm. you know sometimes you need that constructive criticism to push you to that next level to ask you the questions that you should be asking yourself right right yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. sometimes learning how to be like positively critical of yourself exactly you know in in a healthy way Mm -hmm. you know so so definitely that's it's definitely you know really dope to hear Mm -hmm. and from there like what did you do what did you do with that information um, I completely redid the project. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And just continued to be neater in my work um, and the presentation of it to the best mm. of my abilities. Uh, I actually reached out to her um, maybe like a year or two later. Um, and I had like so many questions about my brand and the like direction it should go in. Mm. I was just like, I'm not making any money, but I don't want to sell t-shirts like every mm. other fake designer. And she was like, if you're not making any money, how are you going to make money then? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just right, like, just right. shooting it back Seriously at me. Frank, yeah. Right. yeah. This um, is what it is. Yeah. yeah. And I respected her so much for that and mm. for her honesty. And um, I remember in that specific conversation, we really just talked about research. She was just mm. like, what is your concept for this? And I don't remember what it was, uh, uh, trees. And she'll be like, oh, well, what tree, what region, how did it grow? Mm. Who grew it? Like, just really like delving into it and not just the word but like the ethos around it right, 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 um right. and now i feel like that's something i always do with my work i'm wow. just like how can we push this further what does it really mean because sometimes i can be very literal yeah. or like tongue-in-cheek about things yeah. and i think that's so much fun definitely in fashion definitely yeah. no it, it sounds like you know in, in being a like a fashion designer like mm-hmm. you are that type of like training you mm-hmm. know could also be seen as like a, a journalist or like a, a an art historian yeah or mm-hmm. an archaeologist mm-hmm. would do in terms of sort of digging and understanding the world and the ecosystem that surrounds the topics that they choose to speak on and, it makes you know, things so much more dimensional and interesting yeah, in, yeah. at the end of the day definitely yeah you can even think about like some of you know the movies that we really love it's like mm-hmm. the stories that you can keep digging into and talking yeah, about exactly and after you watch the movie you're still thinking about it and yeah, like yeah so so many questions and like the next morning you're like oh shit I didn't yeah. even know that happened <laughs> yeah 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 now it makes sense you know it's like yeah. those are the types of like stories or any type of art expression where mm-hmm. there's like multiple layers mm-hmm. you know and I think sort of that new and telling multiple stories that you know the general public can understand mm-hmm. and then you may have a specific demographic that you're also speaking to that can also you know take in that message as well in a yeah. different way mm-hmm. you know so I feel like that's sort of like any type of art you know, movies for me or music 
um, like lyrics as well, you know, yeah, poetry, and poetry as well. Like we were talking about Langston Hughes, yeah, and his fashion as well. I feel like those same stories and those multi-layer stories can be told through garments and through stories like that, mm-hmm. you know. So, I mean, do you agree? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> You're on point. Okay. All right. Cool. Cool. But yeah, so so I'm definitely like you know interested in also just learning how you know and specifically you took you know that sort of new direction you know how where did you take it from there was it just like okay i gotta just start from scratch or did you say i'm just gonna sort of rework and refine this to become even more specific i think rework and redefine but specifically finding inspiration that wasn't just in a magazine or yeah i've grown up in new york my entire life and i got to the point where i just felt really stuck here and kind of Mm. claustrophobic Mm. i feel like as new yorkers you kind of feel that disappear when you go somewhere else for a little while. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I was having dreams about Morocco, which I really didn't have any prior knowledge mm. about that country or the or culture. Connections. No connections. <laughs> I didn't know a single person who was Moroccan, but I was thinking about it all the time. Mm, mm. And I was telling my best friend about it. I was like, do you just want to go? And he was like, okay. And we like <laughs> booked flights like the next weekend. Wow. <laughs> like had no, like we were researching things on Google. Like, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then I went for the first time um, in April of 2018, and it was a life-changing trip. Really? Yeah. Tell me about it. Like, We went to so many different cities. We went to Marrakesh, and we were in the Medina, which is kind of like a Times Square on steroids. It's mm. people selling things, and there's snake charmers, yeah. and there's orange juice sellers, and just the smells and the vibrations, like... It's so overwhelming, mm. um, but in the best way possible. Mm. Um, we went to the Sahara Desert and we took a camel ride in and stayed overnight. And I remember we were sitting in the sand as the sun was setting and I started mm. meditating. Um, and my friend started meditating as well. And he started crying after. Mm. Um, and he was just like, this is what life is about. Like, yeah. This is true happiness. Like, yeah. It's not about money or Instagram followers or right. any of that. Right. Um and then just the people that you meet there mm. who have nothing but act like they're the richest people in the world, like in their heart. Mm. Um, and of course, the craftsmen who I got to work with for my collection, um, who their family for generations have been making carpets and tapestries and everything you can think of jewelry. Um, they're specifically called Berbers. They're usually in the Atlas Mountains region. Okay. Um, and they were very inspiring to me as well because they were the true artisans mm. um, and not people who are pretending to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and so I really like took inspiration from that for my first uh, New York Fashion Week collection. Definitely. Mm-hmm. No, and it just sounds like, would seem like a, a knee-jerk decision to even go on this trip turned mm-hmm. out to be like just what you needed. Yeah, I went back a second time, like <laughs> really? a few months later, yeah. <laughs> I made some friends, so I was like, I'll back. Back. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that's real. That's real. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, like, I, I can only imagine what that, like, experience was like. Mm-hmm. Was that your first time out of the country? Have you been traveling prior um, to that? No, I went to Costa Rica before that, and that was also really transformational. Mm. I based my entire thesis around that trip yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, so when I said I'm an explorer, I literally go Definitely. and explore these places and collect things. Sponge, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like physical and just mental things. Um, and take it back with me. Yeah, yeah. I... I agree with you like Mm -hmm. for me traveling is like my form of like meditation yeah like I feel Mm -hmm. like I grow and I evolve when I get out of 
the country exactly <laughs> same know? yeah definitely mm-hmm. definitely sort of just adds different perspectives mm-hmm. and also just you just stop thinking about yourself so much yeah, for a little while you're, you're, you're no longer it's like you're yeah. there but your 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 ego is removed you exactly. can just sort of experience everything without any like pre like conceived mm-hmm. notions you yeah. can just sort of live you mm-hmm. know and I think that's sort of like you know really powerful for someone like you who sort of is putting out such great output you know to make sure that you're inputting you know things that are also like recharging you yeah sort of giving you a different perspective on culture and how you'd see yourself Mm -hmm. you know so definitely yeah so coming back from Mm -hmm. Morocco what was your next step were you like I'm just taking this and doing something with it or I feel like after the second trip Mm. I really felt the push and I was like I want to make a collection I already knew like what the garments looked like in my head Mm. um and I like went to my local library, which I like never do. Shout out to the library, though. Shout out to the local <laughs> library. <laughs> and I was sketching in there for hours, and I must have been there once for like four or five hours, and I had yeah. sketched the entire collection mm-hmm. um, in that one night. Um, what was that night like? That night was like <sighs> panicky, but in the best way possible. Like you know, when you're just your emotions are just flying within you and you're like there's no other way I'm gonna get this out I like I moments. yeah I can't talk about it because I can't put it into words yeah, so yeah, like stand up every 10 minutes to yeah. say, <laughs> calm yourself I think down I was like standing <laughs> and sketching on the table no, at the same the time that's when you know you're really in the flow yeah now. you're it's really like, you know yeah, yeah. definitely mm-hmm. yeah. so I fully understand that good yeah, yeah so mm-hmm. so you know what was able to come out of this like for that night um basically the direction that I wanted to go in because I feel like when I sketch my designs it's not always the most literal like I'm just mm. like oh yeah I want like a macrame top but right, right, right. you know when you're macrame or <laughs> like you don't know exactly how it's gonna turn out yeah. every single time yeah. um and then also just like sourcing like different fabrics um shout out to fab scrap in mm. Brooklyn they are an amazing organization um they collect dead stock fabrics from mm. other designers or retailers or anyone who wasn't gonna use them that would otherwise end up in landfills yeah and they sell them to anyone students young designers um, anyone who wants fabric at such a discounted price. That's real. Um, and I got, I would say, like 60% of the fabric from my collection from them. And it felt so good to use something that was recycled. Yeah. Because um, yeah. sustainability was definitely like a big impact yeah. on me um, in this collection and just in my life in general. Um, and just going to different fabric stores. Shout out to Reuse America, the <laughs> vintage store. <laughs> Right by my apartment, um, <laughs> um, which I bought a macrame, just like wall hanging from and turn it into a top. Wow. That was in my collection yeah, um, yeah. that would have probably otherwise ended up in a landfill mm-hmm. too. Um, and a lot of my fabric, like dyeing it by hand, by using rainwater and plant-based dyes. Um, I'm a vegan and I've been trying to completely transition into no leather, no animal products. If I use silk, I always try to make sure it's recycled. Mm. Um and just trying to make my clothes as sustainable and biodegradable as possible because I think that's where the future of fashion needs to go because mm. it's one of the it is the most wasteful industry mm. um, if you see the documentary um, oh why can't I think of I think it I know now. what you're talking about too <sighs> the documentary and it's about like factories in, in Bangladesh yeah I can't think of the name of it, but if you're listening and you know what I'm talking about, you know that it's a crazy industry and how we really need to support young designers and not go shop at H&M. Mm, mm. Oh, I hear you on that. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So from this point, 
having sort of a a, a theme and a story that you're ready to tell mm-hmm. how were you thinking like for, for a lot of us our first interaction with your work may have been through you know the recent show that you did mm-hmm. was it that the next step like how can I tell that story or were you then going from like taking these garments and just like working with them I was fortunate enough to be offered um, a pop-up shop deal at the venue. Shout out to In Soho, The Fluid Project, which is the world's first gender-neutral clothing store, um, to sell my garments there for a week. So I really have been thinking about specifically what pieces I want to remake in different sizes for that. Yeah. And also new products that I want to make and sell there. Um, because I have gotten so many dms from people on instagram (laughs) saying i love your clothes but i can't afford 400 pants and that's okay neither Mm. can i really (laughs) so um just trying to make pieces that are accessible to people to buy but also still have my art pieces that are one of a kind and i can't down the price because it's wearable art definitely yeah definitely Mm -hmm. and i'm glad you see your value in that you know like absolutely and i think too just as um a black business owner Mm -hmm. i think it's it's definitely something to be like encouraged and championed because like you know i think you know for you to to set your price and understand your you have a business that you're running Mm -hmm. for for all of us within the creative community within the black community like we need to acknowledge appreciate uplift and accept that You know, like I feel like it's really important for us to sort of if we see like our friends doing entrepreneurial things, you know, to support them. Yeah. Oh, and I need to shout out all of my friends Mm. that helped me with this show. Mm. Nicole, who produced it. um, Andre, my best friend who went to me, uh, went with me on the first trip to Morocco and was one of my models in the show um, and played a very important role. My friends Natalia and Navia, who were literally helping me sew the night before at 4 a.m. And Mm -hmm hand beat and anything I ask them to do every step of the way yeah that's real yeah mm-hmm. I, I just really feel like we, we have I mean think we're blessed really just to mm-hmm. have people in our lives who can sort of like provide support yeah in very specific ways you mm-hmm. know and it's like it's almost you just sort of honoring your path and mm-hmm. sort of saying you know I know what I want to do just going after it and then yeah. just the right people just start coming into your life it's so you true. know it's so weird it's so weird it's like, a law of attraction <laughs> it's vibrations that you put out into the universe they come back to you when you definitely, need it yeah because sometimes we feel like man I, I don't have the connections or the resources on mm-hmm. the onset mm-hmm. literally all you need to do is just go just yeah. start doing your work mm-hmm. like don't worry about like you know all those people and mm-hmm. the pieces that need to be there will mm-hmm. they'll slowly gravitate towards yeah. you you know mm-hmm. so I, I, I can see that for sure yeah definitely. yeah so so you know having this great team that you have now mm-hmm. and people that can sort of help you sort of create that vision mm-hmm. how did you bring that vision to life We didn't really have a lot of time. I feel like we booked the venue. Um, We found the Fluid Project and decided, okay, this is where we're going to have the show. And it's kind of unconventional to have a fashion presentation within a store. Right. But I was like, I'm going to do it. This is what I want. Um, (laughs) And I think we had like three weeks or a month um, until the show date. And... I didn't know who was going to be the models. I didn't know how I was going to get... I wanted the floor to be completely covered with Moroccan carpets. I was mm-hmm. like, how am I going to afford this? This is really expensive to get Moroccan carpets. <laughs> um, but thankfully, I went to a mosque and just bought a bunch of prayer rugs. Mm-hmm. And they gave me some for free because I not. told them what I was doing with it. And they thought it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, Instagram, I just 
DM'd people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just like, you're really pretty. I'm having this show. Do you want to do this with me? <laughs> um, and some people, even if they like couldn't, were just like, this is so amazing, like mm-hmm. what you're doing. And I'm like, sorry that I can't help you, but I like all the best for you. And that was always really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just tried to pick people that kind of would tell the story of the garment I wanted them to mm-hmm. wear. Um, very conscious of skin tones, body types, Definitely. genders, um, because what we see does have a direct effect on us. Mm. I wish I was able to get an even more diverse cast, but with you know the limited time frame I had, I had to run with it. Um, and just using things that I collected in Morocco to create the set design. It was mm. kind of um, a couple collaboration between me and Nicole, who is my show producer. Um, I bought this really beautiful glass and bronze teapot in Morocco and I was like how can we like incorporate this Mm. into the show Um, and just the idea of having lots of plants and foliage and getting them in the flower district in Chelsea and just using my resources to the best of my ability and asking yeah that's a big thing I forgot who but they're like you're never gonna know unless you ask Mm. so um, I'm just like yeah can we hang like (laughs) these giant plants from the ceiling and they're like no and I'm like okay I know that but at least I asked exactly Um, exactly. uh, but the night of the show was so nerve wracking Mm. (laughs) because everything that could have went wrong did Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah but you know when you have a really good team around you and you have like the faith like you just pull through somehow and I had no expectations on who was gonna come I was like if my parents and like two of my friends come like that's an accomplishment yeah, but yeah. the store was packed yeah. like my friends were telling me like you couldn't fit any more people in there mm-hmm. and I was like people actually like stop their lives to come and see my weird art yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> that absolutely. I made um, and the show went on and I didn't watch any of it I was downstairs yeah. <laughs> so I knew if I watched it I'd just start crying right. mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. um, and then at the end I just came out and everyone just started clapping wow. and hugging me and you just could feel like so much love in the room Yeah, um, and people telling me how they had never seen something like mm-hmm. that before and how it really made them think um if you want to see the show, you can go on my website, niathomasny.com. Um, I have a full video on there. You can only see it on your PC, not your mobile devices. I was just about to say that, like, for those who are listening, yeah. like, now, like, go on their laptop, like, yeah. just go to the website while you're hearing her explain this. Like, it's dope. Like, Thank you. Yeah, definitely. And, and just to even, like, watch that video, mm-hmm. you know, you really captured, like, an essence you know, through your show, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like just to see, you know, the models and, and the people just interact and, mm-hmm. and also just seeing people just, you know, just going about their lives almost, yeah. you know, and, mm-hmm. and like, you know, sharing a meal together and, yeah. you know, drinking, you know, tea together. And mm-hmm. It just seemed very much of like a sacred experience. Yeah. And, you know, it was definitely uh, like a, a, you set the tone of respect, mm-hmm. you know, it was yeah. like the tone was like, this is to be respected. You know, it's not to mm-hmm. just to be looked at or to just be like, this is pretty. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is this is to be respected. And I've, yeah. I really caught that, you know. Thank sure. you. So, so, yeah, explain, like, the tell the story, paint the picture for those who, who weren't there. I was really nervous um, about people clapping back on mm. cultural appropriation with me. Because right, right. just a disclaimer, I am do not practice the Muslim faith. Um, I am not of Northern African descent or Berber indigenous descent, um, but I drew heavily influences from there. um, And the idea of having shamans and rituals um, and drinking tea, it's 
the mint tea in Morocco. It's like, I don't even know how to explain to what it is. It's like their life there. They mm. will stop everything they're doing and just go sit in tea houses for hours mm. and drink and actually talk to people and not be on their phone. Right. Um, and that was such an amazing experience mm. going there and doing that and so calming. Um, so I definitely knew I wanted the models to come out and to sit down and just drink tea together and eat fruit together um, and not really interact or talk or anything. Um but just be in solidarity with their brothers and sisters. Mm. Um, and then I had my friend Andre come out, who is a real-life shaman. Um, he came out playing a didgeridoo. For those of you who don't know what a didgeridoo is, it's a long... Um, comes from Indigenous Australia, I believe. Um, instrument. Um, it's kind of like a... sounds like a blowhorn. Um, and no one in the audience knew that it was going to happen. The models knew it was going to happen, but they had never heard it before. So even that, like if you see the video, you see them jump a little bit. <laughs> um, and he came out playing that, and I made a very long traditional like caftan robe for him to wear, um, and a loincloth, which I'm so gracious he wore <laughs> that many people. Um, and it's actually amazing because he's a high school art teacher mm. and I told them I was like I want like live African drummers like I was ready to ask like the Hare Krishnas in Union Square like can you come and like drum at my show and he was just like some of my students can play and I was like okay let's get their parents because I just throw them in there um so they graciously came and were playing the drums live beautifully um and him playing the didgeridoo and eventually um I was like we should just end with like meditation because it was such a hectic day like the show there's a lot going on like we need to end it like in a calming note um mm. so all the models sat around him as he played a singing bowl um which is just like um i think it comes from tibet it's a bowl that you play with a stick um and you can even see in the video like it's completely silent in the room and you're just hearing the bowl sing and everyone has their eyes closed um and it takes you shamans do it to put you into a meditative trance um, for relaxation, it helps to calm anxiety and depression, which I think we all suffer from because we're on our phones so much. Talk about um, it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, the show ended, um, and all my models left and then came back out and just stood for pictures. Um, thankfully, there was no wa- wardrobe malfunction. Um, everyone fit their clothes. <laughs> so it wasn't hectic in that sense. Um, but yeah, I remember after the show like stylist people coming up like where how can i pull this how can mm. i buy this all this stuff and mm. my mind wasn't even there yet i was yeah. just like oh, i finished this like yeah. very giant hurdle in my life because mm. um, there was just like a point like in the middle of it i was like i can't do this and then my best friend was like that's exactly what like the man wants from you like what society wants from you like they don't want you to succeed and like be the best version of yourself like mm. you need to push through this and just do it yeah um and after that i was like okay i did this yeah. like and and for you i can only imagine being sort of the 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 one who sort of had to orchestrate all of these things to happen for that night wearing a lot of different hats yeah yeah I'd say probably even maybe a day after you probably didn't even settle in yet. But like No, I didn't look at my <laughs> phone until like not the next day but the day after. Right, and then I started right. like texting people like thank <laughs> you so I'm much. Still alive and yeah, yeah. I was like I have to like drink some water and yeah. detox. No, yeah. for real. So so after you took like that time just to sort of reflect, mm-hmm. like what were some of your takeaways? Like how did you, you feel and, and what did you sort of take in from that experience? Um 
I think the perfectionist in me was just thinking like, oh, you could have done this a little bit better. Oh, like this dress was sagging a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But then just being like, I did the best that I could and with the resources that I could. And it was an amazing outcome. And I grew so much from it. Mm. Um, And just, I actually like that night, I already knew the concept for next season and wrote it all down like longhand. It's still somewhere in my room. I think it's like three pages. I just wrote it out. um, Mm -hmm. And I just texted my friend. I was like, I already got the concept for next season. He was like, okay, let's go. Powerful. Yeah. Powerful. Mm -hmm. And and it just just sounds like you you sort of were able to create such a great moment. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like that's sort of what we're we're in all of this for is to create moments. Yeah. For for the people we Mm -hmm. care about. Definitely. You know, so that's sort of what, you know, I saw in your show. Mm -hmm. And also what you're going to continue to do is just create those special moments yeah that you couldn't really experience anywhere else mm-hmm. you know yeah and, and, and that's what storytelling is mm, yeah definitely definitely mm-hmm. yeah so i'm looking forward to seeing how you sort of create the second collection and jack even me too yeah no for sure <laughs> and just just even as well just to know that you have support you know you have people in your life you have you know people like myself who really see the value in mm-hmm. the work that you're creating Thank you. You know, seeing like the, the hours that you put into things without sort of talking about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big thing. People just see the, the final collection or they see the post and things like that. But mm-hmm. There's so much time and, and research, like you said earlier. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. Trial and error. Mistakes. <laughs> yeah, so many mistakes. Yeah. And you have to welcome that for exactly. sure. Like exactly. there was nothing more frustrating than spending 12 hours in the sewing studio and the pants don't fit or yeah. you know the yeah. shape isn't what you wanted and it's just like oh i don't want to do this anymore yeah. but yeah. you just got to keep going yeah it's yeah. all it's all a part of the process mm-hmm. and the goal is just to honor your process yeah you know honor mm-hmm. your process embrace every up down in, in, in the process mm-hmm. you know so i'm definitely for that for sure so yeah like how can people again find your work what you're doing and you can definitely go on my website, neathomasny.com, and follow me on Instagram at neathomasny. Definitely, like, excited just to see you continue to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm also really glad, I'm going to say it again, just the fact that, you know, you sort of being consistent and sort of, like, making the connections. And mm-hmm. like we said, the law of attraction, just sort of being able to speak with you, I'm, I'm very honored to. You know, I feel mm-hmm. like, me too. you know, I'm seeing so much uh, potential, you know, and, and, you know, it's definitely a great thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, thank you once again. I really appreciate everything. So, yeah, yeah this is Taj Alexander on The Open Canvas. I'm here with my friend. Nia Thomas. And we out. Bye. To find out more about The Open Canvas, hit up our website, theopencanvas.com. Also stay tuned to our Instagram, at The Open Canvas. And for any questions or inquiries, hit up my email, taj.opencanvas at gmail.com. This has been The Open Canvas, produced by Taj Alexander. 